0: Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. We are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour we connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to
1: our brain better you can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com derek it's time for the doctor to become the patient let's look at the the wonderful mentors and and dimensions of dr strange
0: Welcome back to Wonder Tour. Um, this week we're doing Dr. Strange. And uh, actually, I guess this week and next week, I uh, I was trying to think of a, uh, a good impression from the movie, Drew, but nobody really sticks out. Um, I mean, obviously, Dr. Strange is uh, amazing. But uh, anyway, he's uh, he's actually a difficult impression to do. So I was like, well, I'll just toss it. <laughs> so
1: but yeah i really like benedict cumberbatch but uh in this movie i this is a great movie fantastic really another one of those like guardians of the galaxy marvel movies where i didn't i went in with a little bit lower expectations and it ended up
0: really blowing my mind oh yeah i mean he's 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 quite the character right um he's uh he's got this um hubris right that you just can't there's no off switch for it um and, you know, he's, he's, uh, he certainly is, uh, quite the connoisseur of, uh, 70s music in the, uh, the OR, the OR theater. And, um, you know, so he's a smart guy, right? And he's, um, he's not into making mistakes. And so we've got a little bit of, um, little, little streak of perfectionism in him, don't we? He's not very likable. That's that's for me why this
1: movie is great is because it starts out and Doctor Strange you like I do not want to be like this guy like I really kind of at least me personally I like I kind of despise this guy the way that he's operating and treating people and he's doing good things but he's do, going about it all the wrong way so you're just like hoping for some sort of reckoning you're like all right what's going to happen here how are we going to bring this
0: guy around how does he become a hero. Oh, wait, were you making a pun? You said he was the way he was operating. Did you not like the way he held the scalpel or? <laughs> well, yeah, he, ha- he has perfectly, perfectly smooth, finessed work. I mean,
1: that's his uh, at least when he was a doctor or uh, <laughs> when he was an M.D. <laughs> He's also a PhD yeah. actually as well. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that's the irony. Right. Uh, I think that's funny. He so he holds the scalpel so well and so steady. And yet his words are completely like, do you want to go to a, what was it? Some kind of a uh, a convention. No, what was it? I forget what it was. A word show. I forget what he wanted Christine to go to, but it was super boring and super like uninteresting, right? Um, Way different than the, I'd say refined methodology that he has with his hands during operating. Um, So that's interesting, right? There's a, There's a real disconnect there.
1: There is. And you can see that the physical in the physical world, he's doing really well. He's, you know, best in the business at what he's doing. But in the in the realm of his mind, in the spirit world or uh, whatever they call it in, in this movie, I can't exactly remember what they call the different dimensions, but he is absolutely clueless what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could say he just and when it, whenever it leaves the five senses, right? The uh, what what he's been able to control to this point, um, it's definitely a lot bigger than him, but he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> and I I've been there. I'm sure oh you've yeah. Been there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we all have to start there because when you're born, you're born into this physical world first and foremost, it seems, and you you have your five senses, which you use to interpret things. And it takes you know, different people different lengths of time to come around to the fact that maybe my five senses aren't the only thing that I need to use to interact
0: with the world. Oh yeah. Well, um one of the things that you know I was thinking about when I was watching him was just like dude, what? This guy seems like he's kind of two Enneagram types at the same time. And, uh, it happens, you know, you can have top two. Um, and I'm, I'm seeing just jump off the page, you know, type three with a, uh, a four wing, which is all about, you know, showing off and being showy and really, you know, being out there in the spotlight. Um, but then, it's kind of interesting right um you know you kind of see this this student the student of very deep skill uh, and that's kind of where you get this uh, kind of five wing six coming out because he's a little bit of a nervous guy too he gets to be a bit of a mess later on in the movie we'll talk about that but um so you got this kind of you know uh, push and pull on that this and and you know the type three really drives his arrogance doesn't it Yeah, that's going to be his main obstacle that he's going to overcome here
1: is, of course, himself um, and his arrogance is his main failing point that we see or just weak point. So we can kind of hop into it here. The beginning of the movie is easy to summarize, right? We have Dr. Strange, Stephen Strange, this uh, fantastic medical doctor who's doing all these, you know, life-saving operations. And he ends up. You know, his pride comes before a fall and he has this car accident that results in him getting pins in his hands and he's no longer able to perform surgery. So he goes from being this prestigious individual who's the best at what he does to no longer being physically able to perform that job. And it absolutely
0: tears him apart. It's pretty rough on him. Um, And you know, it's a wake-up call. Oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, it's he, not a wake-up call, yeah. He keeps trying to, yeah, he keeps trying. I just want to do a fake wake-up call uh, just for fun. But, um, you know, you think, okay, so, like, what's going through my mind when I'm watching the movie is, you know, okay, well, this is where he turns, you know, and blah, blah. No, he doesn't. He doubles down on being a jerk. <laughs> so, and he continues to... Uh, resonate and uh, I would say ruminate, right? Ruminate is probably the word here, but he just goes back and back and back to, I can fix this. I can fix this body. This body will be fixed and I can do it with modern science and uh, repeat surgeries. And and really, you know, you're really not, I don't know that, I, I want to say, are you over leveraging? I don't think so, but he is spending all of his Uh, capital, like literally, you know, whatever money he had saved up, you know, he's spending it all down, trying to get back. Um, So yeah, that's, uh, that's something that really stuck out to me in the beginning. There was just like, man, his arrogance is so strong and so powerful that, you know, he is willing to uh, do anything to get it back. So I don't know, I'm just going to pin that for right now and come back to it later.
1: Well, we're almost to a good point to talk about that. Yeah, his arrogance is probably going to be one of the primary points of this first episode. I think most of us can identify to some extent with that arrogance, you know, maybe now, maybe at different points in our lives. So, <laughs> you know, pride is just a pride and arrogance are slightly different, but they they come from a very similar place and it's a big human condition problem. <laughs> All of us humans struggle with it in different ways. So let's go to. We can pretty much hop to our moment here. It's pretty early on in the movie. Um, so he he runs out of resources. He's on his last ditch effort. He's searching for Comartage, this paraplegic guy or guy who used to be paraplegic but is walking, tells him about Comartage, and strange to his uh, to his passion and his his spirit does continue to fight. And goes and finds Comertage, where he encounters the Ancient One.
0: Yeah, I mean, by that point, he's pretty much broke, right? I mean, um, but at least money-wise. money, money wise. <laughs> um, He's getting, he started to get a little desperate. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not taking care of himself. He's kind of you know, looking kind of run down. He does get beat up in the alley, uh, and that's when he runs across Mordo. Um, and so you know, guy feels bad for him. He doesn't really know who he is yet. So that's why he feels bad for him. (laughs) But once he gets in there and starts running his mouth, um, you know, he gets himself into a situation with the ancient one. First, I thought was hilarious. then, you know, I know this is an obvious thing and we don't usually talk about obvious things, but it was really funny how, you know, he kind of assumed it was this guy sitting at the table um, that he was the ancient one and he didn't even see uh you know the ancient one the the, uh bald woman you know across the room whatever right that is kind of hanging out there and she's like here i am but he's just kind of like you don't fit all the stereotypes that i think the ancient one could be uh because i know better than you because you know and so you got the whole arrogance thing going and and so uh yeah anyway she's that's that's his first strike with her right um (laughs) Well, he, and, he
1: he puts his foot in his mouth so many times or like, you know, yeah. maybe he doesn't actually put his foot in his mouth, but he does. He he commits faux pas multiple times during this encounter oh, yeah. where the ancient one is this being who's been here for, you know, I don't know how many years, hundreds of years at least, and has all these experiences and can see uh, all these different realities. And, and he comes in here and he just has one reality and he thinks that he has it and he's got it figured out. And so she keeps like. At first, she's like, all right, I'm slowly going to teach you these things. And that's how we get to our we get to our moment when he keeps messing it up. He keeps she's showing him the book and stuff. And and he's like, no, I know that. I know that it's not what you think it is, whatever. And then she's like, all right, dude. And she just sends him throttling through these different dimensions. <laughs> what does that mean?
0: Oh, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we were talking about it as, you know, piercing the veil. Right. She just shows him like these flashes um, but, you know, and all of a sudden he gets a, just, he's drinking from the fire hose. And I think, um, you know, drinking from the fire hose is, is probably one of the best ways, uh, to kind of, you know, get yourself straight sometimes because, you know, you get, you get a little salty and you get a little worked up, you know, and you think, man, I got this figured out, you know, you know, but just go find a fire hose, <laughs> Because once you find a fire hose, that thing will send you across the room. (laughs) And and then that's what he needed. Right. He needed like the world's biggest fire hose, actually. And that's pretty much what she unleashed on him. She pretty much opened up the valve full bore and he's like flying through all these tunnels. He's flying through all these things, uh, all these wormholes, seeing, you know, just being terrified uh, in so many different ways. And uh, that's exactly what he needed, didn't he?
1: Yeah, the Ancient One has uh, more wisdom than the rest of us. We've talked about on Wonder Tour, like the different ways that you can help people to change, help yourself to change. We talk about turning the mirror on somebody. And so I think we started talking about that in Fight Club, how you kind of slowly turn the mirror around until they're looking at themselves. That's one way for certain situations where you can help people to change. Um, The Ancient One does not use that in fact uses something quite the opposite here uses the like throw you in the water until you're drowning basically and then when you finally get that gasp of air maybe you'll be able to see things a little bit more clearly
0: (laughs) well she actually has to do that several times uh for him to find his limits i would say this is flashing the mirror (laughs) well Mm -hmm. i'm ugly (laughs) yeah that's
1: a good that's a good way to look at it too yeah flashing the mirror exactly she, for just a moment, introduces him to the mirror and then pulls it right back.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a different signature. So, you know, when you're talking about turning the mirror in the other episode, which I thought was brilliant, but, um, this one is, uh, so that was more of a slowly building peak. So think of it like a gentle hill. It's a really tall hill, but once you get to the top, you're like, oh, I'm ugly. And then this one's more like with the flash into the mirror, it's like, oh, I'm ugly, you know? So it's really quick. Um, and the ugliness here for him is that he's insufficient, right? Um, you know, he's got to realize that he's insufficient uh, because isn't that what cures arrogance, right? Humility, almost in a way. I mean, I know humility is that you have strength and you don't use it. Um, but being humbled is how you get there, right? And so you go from arrogance down to humility you have to be humbled and that's what humbles him which is you don't know as much as you know you saw an image of an mri and you still thought you knew it all um you know and and all the uh, meridians she showed him all the meridian lines uh in the body et cetera. you know and he's just like i know all this stuff you know but then when she you know she's like all right i'm gonna turn it up to 10 here you know and and that's really what she had to do. She had to overwhelm arrogance, and she had to do it in a a bit of a neutral way. I mean, she – it wasn't her abilities that she was showcasing. She goes, I think if you did that to somebody who's arrogant, wouldn't they just want to compete with you, Drew? Yeah, that's like a – that's the way that,
1: like, the Sith would expose somebody to, <laughs> you know – To the force, right? They would be like, all right, Palpatine, you know, the Emperor would be like, all right, I'm just going to you don't get it. Like, let me introduce you to a light force lightning to, you know, to your arm or something. And then you'll understand the power that I hold and that you don't. Right. But this is different. This is she's not doing it for for herself. She's doing it because she knows that he needs he needs a shock to the system. And the way that she's going to do it is just by throttling him through these dimensions and letting him very quickly. You know, he obviously his mind, it works very fast, but it's still going to take a long time to come to terms with what he's seen.
0: But it immediately shatters his reality. Yeah. And that's the key. Right. And then he can finally move forward. So, yeah, I think that's a great moment. And that's that's really where uh, things start to change for him. Although the funny thing is, is he already doubled down so many times on his arrogance that they threw him out. <laughs> I thought That was perfect um and you really need to do that final thing to make sure uh that you know he's going to stop being the way he was being and he did you know he was on the doorstep you know Mordo was like he's been on your doorstep for 5 hours you know um you know and Mordo obviously felt a, a lot of compassion for him and, and some pity um and so finally he came in and i always thought it was funny he was like what is this, my mantra? And he's like, no, it's the Wi-Fi password. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of my favorite ones. Um, You know, because again, he's still trying to predict a little bit, but he's doing it in more of a neutral way versus I know this is my mantra. You know, that's what the old strange would have said. And now he's more of like, he's shifting that. So like he, the pride kind of got peeled off the arrogance and underneath of it was the curiosity, right? Uh, And that's, that's like, you know, very unheard of in that world. Um, and so he's he's really bringing his curiosity uh, in. Um, well, that's
1: an interesting and, point. And that's a good made. thing. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you make there that. And, and it's, it's intuitive, but it's something that is good to investigate a little bit further is these negative character traits that we develop, like arrogance what happens a lot of times is they end up sitting on top of positive traits. It's not that the, we have only negative traits. It's just that the the negative traits just overwhelm the positive traits. But if you can peel back those negative traits, there are positive traits underneath of them.
0: Oh, by far. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think of it, you know, you can think of it like a sandwich. Um, you can also think in terms of, you know, a conversion process you know as you change your character that you know you convert this you know nasty character trait to something that is you know totally positive right i mean think about how arrogance converts to passion i like that i mean there's a fine line sometimes between arrogance and passion isn't there
1: <laughs> yeah there it feels like there is wow you're turning the mirror on me <laughs> it's uh, it's true but sometimes there is it's, and it's actually really hard to tell at the moment <laughs> whether you're being arrogant or not and it's it's easy afterwards you know but it's a lot harder in the moment to tell
0: yeah well I think that one is it's interesting because it's really depends on who your target is so if your target is yourself then I think arrogance is you know where you get but if you're passionate about other people you know, or sorry you can be passionate and I think more often that it's you're you're passionate for the good of others. Right. Um, and I think that's something that we try to model on here is to be passionate for the good of others and the character development of others, you know, as leaders. And, um, but that's an example, I think of a conversion where you kind of tweak, I don't know what to call what's underneath both passion and arrogance, but it is definitely, uh, you know, an you know, energy source, right. Um, of some sort. And it's a motivator, and um, so I don't know, I'd like to do more, you know, thinking about those type of conversions in the future. But we better keep going here on on the story and, and what well, we've got. Yeah. It's one arrogant. quote
1: to pull into here. Right. Yeah. You became a doctor to save one life, your own. That's the, the ancient one gives to, to Dr. Strange. And that it fits right in with what you were just saying. It's like he's arrogant. Because he's only saving these people's lives so that he can hold himself in high esteem in his mind so that others can hold him in high esteem. You can tell because he's talking on the phone and in the car right before the car accident. And he's like, no, no, that person's not worthy of my time. Somebody else can save them. It's like, okay, so now he's valuing one person's life over another for his own gain.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was the magical gut punch that just knocked the astral projection right out of me. (laughs) Uh, when I heard that (laughs) because you know that was uh you know she she does she wails on him a little bit um but it's funny how little she says sometimes too where she's just like I am going to basically box you and 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 isn't that interesting you know arrogance can make you so pointed um that you become very small and that's really what he became in this you know he, he got really small really with his with his world and well, you just nailed it right there. Well, you talked about how he's just trying to save himself, and that's it. That's so true. When you talk about a small world, we've talked many
1: times about the fixed mindset and how that creates a small world. So, this is probably a pretty good time to start talking about fixed mindset. It's really been one of the themes of these first 20 or so episodes of Wonder Tour. We've already been talking about the Ancient One as a mentor here. One of the key elements to the Ancient Ones mentoring style is before we teach you anything, we're going to teach you your mindset. We're going to help um, plant within you a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset.
0: Yeah, she's really a fundamentals mentor, isn't she? I always try to put a tagline on these, but I think she's trying to make sure the soil is good before she uh, plants in it. Um and I think that's probably a pretty I mean okay. That's the mystic way, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And but here's the thing. Let's 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 do a fun thing and go to business for a second. I'll switch, put on my business hat, take off my my wizard's hat and go to business for a second. You know, in business it's that is hard to do. And I'll tell you why it's hard to do in my opinion. And you can tell me where I'm wrong, but you're always having to move the ball forward and so really don't have time for that baloney sometimes often you know um unless you have some kind of a bubble and i'm talking like a protected bubble that you can kind of you know do some things uh some creative things whatever have some creative works Stuff like that. And you have the time and you have the timeline to invest in this person and make sure they get reset on the fundamentals. Um, that's kind of tricky, isn't it, to do what she's doing? It is. I think you can look for
1: a microcosm in business. That's one way that you can pull it off because you're right at the macro level. It's very hard to pull that off because like you said, you had perfect, <laughs> what you said was perfect. You have to keep the ball moving all the time. So there's not a lot of time to, to stop and reset and then keep moving forward after we have time to change our mindset. So you really have to be, instead of getting that like shockwave flash moment where we change our mindset, we have to change it slowly over time. I think one way you can do it is with the microcosm is where you look for, one task, one situation, right? So let's think about this. A team is working on three different objectives. They have one super important objective, one medium importance, one low importance objective, right? That super important objective, from a business perspective, you need them to get that done. Now this is outside of the realm of like, they're completely failing. Cause if they're completely failing, then like, okay, offload the super important objective to somebody else and reset the team and figure out, you know, you need to hit the reset button now, probably. Otherwise you're not gonna deliver on any of these things. But let's say we're just getting a, a mediocre performance. And what we want is a high level of performance. Now maybe what we can do is we can introduce an experiment at the medium theme, medium project, low level project, whatever the things that they're focused on that these teams care about. And in that level, we can try to create a microcosm of a macro mindset that they need to create. We can allow them to make a mistake in that area. We can allow them to to have hubris and fall and then because they have that, they learn, maybe they'll be able to, to actually incorporate that into their mindset.
0: Do you think that actually works? I like what you're saying. Yes, you make a safe zone. Um, so very often if a student's working with me, I will make a safe zone for that person. And I'll actually make it. It's kind of funny, but I will make them not make them. I will ask them to do something that is more high risk, but minimal impact. and that, I think, sets up a situation where they can get shocked and realize everything they don't know, or not everything, <laughs> come on, I'm still figuring out things I don't know <laughs> every day, um, but, you know, yeah, I think, I think you're right on with that. I think that that's what you're basically saying, right? You're basically saying that, you know, keep the high priority thing going, of course. That's the thing with the optics, et cetera. And then the other thing is, you know, the safe space. We were kind of talking about that, uh, or I was talking about that too, leading up into this. And I, I just wasn't using the right words. I like the words that you used, though. Um, and then it, it allowed me to label it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's that's exactly right on. So you make that safe space, and then you you and and that's what she does. Oh, what is the safe space in the in the movie, Drew? Oh, the, the mirror dimension, right? The mirror dimension. Okay, yeah. So she, what'd she say? You know, you can practice your spells here. You can do these different things. So obviously, like, that is, you know, she wanted to make that that safe space for him. so I think well, that's let's call a good it a zone. There, safe call it zone. You called it a safe zone, I
1: think, the first time, because safe space, you can have a safe <laughs> yeah. zone. I'm sorry. Yeah, safe no, no, space sounds too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's also, listen to me, I think it's because there is such a thing as a safe space, like, but there's also a space a safe time the safe space is where is the the lower priority project or something like that right that we're safe to fail in that in that area the safe time is you know if you subscribe to doing things in terms of sprints and maybe this sprint's going to be a week or a month or whatever and we're going to try to accomplish x amount of work or you know x objective not not x amount of work but x objective during this sprint you can create a safe week or safe month or something like that where it's okay if at the end we don't deliver what we wanted to deliver the end result will
0: still be good because we'll have learned yeah i like that sorry i thought you thought i was being too uh kind of psychological with all that so (laughs) and i did not want i did not want to go there i wanted to be more work-based so yeah let's let's stick with safe zone um but uh yeah that was good i really like what you the way you put it there
1: well, this is perfect because it ties into fear of failure, right?
0: <laughs> I yeah, mean, totally is.
1: Because that that's one of his core failings is that he doesn't want to fail. He thinks as as a medical doctor, he's too good to fail. He never fails, right? And so he has this he has this pristine image, and he has to be given that safe zone where he can actually go into it and fail. And so for us, it's. How do we we have to help find those safe zones for our people and for ourselves, right? I've had mentors that have really helped me find those safe zones where I'm I've been able to fail and I've learned so much from that safe zone. Yeah, well, why is that? Well no, let me give you let me give you an example, right? And so it's different for different people. Sometimes your safe zone is is a different space and it it takes wisdom to figure it out. We always talk about that in Wonder Tour. These things are never just like I'm gonna you know, prescribe Derek with a solution for his problem. It's always we're here together on this journey trying to understand how do we interact with the world and with people in order to create, you know, create a, a space of love. So as a result, like we have to figure out what we're gonna do. So for me, when I was in my my early twenties, I had a I, I could not figure out, could not get my grasp on my financials. Right. Like I would put money in a retirement account and stuff, but I would just like not be able to stop myself from spending money on whatever um, I wanted to at the time. And so what I had to do is create a, a safe zone. And this was a safe zone in time, really, where I had to get better. Basically, I forced myself. I introduced a shock to the system, but I also kept myself a safe zone. Um, and so what I did is I basically had to get rid of all of my money. I didn't didn't want to, you know, I was by no means wealthy, but I had to get rid of all of my money in my bank account because I could not figure out how to spend money in a sustainable manner. And so it happened. I, you know, one day I just finally broke and did it and left myself, basically nuked myself down to zero by giving it away. And what happened after that was transformative. I finally learned how to keep a budget because I didn't have any buffer anymore. The experiment, you know, I put myself in an experiment, which was a controlled experiment, to be fair, because uh, obviously, like, the bottom could have fallen out on me, but I had fairly good faith that the bottom would not fall out on me. Um, I had a good – felt like I had a little bit of control in that scenario, but I needed to give myself self-control, and so uh, still – not the best obviously at managing money and stuff like that, but it really, it took me from like being the worst at managing money to being like probably above average at managing money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's good, I like that. And I think that, um, you know, when you think about being early on in your career too, about managing your resources in general, right? And, you know, you'll take on any challenge, I can do anything, Uh, I'm capable of anything, right? Um, and I think that's that's the very characteristic of early on, because you're like, you know, we've talked about it before, about how wanting to define yourself and that kind of thing. But I also think it's, um, you know, you you don't know where the bottom's at. <laughs> but, you know, later in life, if you keep pushing yourself hard enough, I know I've I've uh, achieved that <laughs> and I say achieved because, you know, going down is an achievement as well so if you can't celebrate going down and then because remember when you go down you can come back up uh, and that's the best part uh, the nose dives not very fun but the, the uh, when you when you break the stall right and that's really what dr. Strange does here you know, he uh, he breaks the stall. Uh, you know, he's he's out there on the street. He's like, oh, please let me back in. And uh, but then from there up, you know, he just pulls up completely. Right. And uh, he reach he reaches. And an, I would say an initial level of achievement, um, you know, for someone who has made big changes and has gotten to a point. Uh, but before the 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 actual transformative uh, events. Right. Um, so I don't know how far you want to go here today, but I think, you know, he, he pulls up, he gets out of the hole, uh, after he realizes that arrogance is nothing more than, I don't know, let's say a tightrope he was walking and somebody just goes and just clips it. <laughs> Actually, he clips his own tightrope, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, you this know, is a, he has his car crash. He and, yeah. He, and then he falls Uh, you know, and, um, he hits the, you know, hits the bottom. And then from then on up, I mean, it's, it's a really beautiful story because you see, man, underneath that arrogance was passion and, and his studiousness combined with his passion. Um, wow. Right. I mean, he starts really piling up the skills.
1: He does. So let's maybe transition into the, the moral that we'll talk about in part one here. Which I'm just looking at at Doctor Strange, and I love the way that he compiles skills. What is it about the way that he compiles these skills to to become a an expert or whatever we would call it that he is a superhero, really, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I you know I was talking to somebody that I was working with uh, the other day, and I was talking about uh, sandpile. You know, and so sandpile is a fun metaphor because you can use it for lots of different things. I mean, I've heard sandpile model the mind, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the one that I, I'm thinking about is this uh sandpile of skills. Um, and I told him I was like, you know, you start out, you got something that you do early on in your career. I said, you know, let's uh let's be nerdy for a second. Let's say it's I, I won't even use all the protocols and all that stuff. I'll just say networking. Okay. So if you know a lot about networking that's like one of the first things you did, like maybe when you well, were. Well, this is not networking, like a communications type networking. This is like computer science networking, right? There you <laughs> go. Computer science networking. Oh, okay. TCP IP. So anyway, if you have a skill in that, right. And you, and you keep learning that and you're learning that, I mean, I, well, it could be carpentry. Maybe I should use that. But anyway, um, you know, you you've been in that for a while. So that's at the bottom of the sand pile and things that you're working on, you know, that you've, currently done some work on those are kind of the mid part of the sand pile and at the very top of the sand pile where it's the thinnest where it's the smallest amount of sand that's your new skill right and i think that's kind of how he builds it out he's reading all these books and depending on how much these spell books that he's reading overlap with each other that's really the sand pile he's building so if you think about uh i would say when he uses the eye of agamotto Agamoto, yeah, Um, you know, I think that's probably top of his stand pile because that's the most riskiest. It's the newest skill, Um, but if he didn't have all that other stuff kind of figured out, um, you know, it really wouldn't be supported well, and he would not have a cohesive skill set to like keep himself from getting killed, for example. Um, And that's the stuff he needed to have at the bottom, right? Um so you, are you kind of getting what I'm saying here with the sand pile? yeah, so a, a
1: sand pile has to be kind of like a pyramid or like a cone or something like that in order for it to have
0: any kind of support, right? Oh yeah, I mean, you know and and what i the reason I use the sand pile is because I think you've got a lot of granules, and you know if you really want to i want to say make sense of everything that you go and sift through, I mean you know you can if you accumulate skills in silos, uh, I give a great example. You know, we talk about DIY. Okay, I'm an, you know, I, I, like, I like doing home improvement projects uh, to some extent, but I may say that measurement, right, is probably one of the top skills for DIY. If you can't, if you stink at measuring things Uh, you are not going to do well at DIY, period. You're going to have the wrong length of pipe. You're going to put the hole in the wrong place. Your stud is not going to be found. Um, You're not going to be able to mount the shelf. You're not going to be able to uh, – you'll be able to paint. You can paint. It doesn't really take a lot of measurement for that, at least not in terms of tape measurement. Uh, But you get what I'm saying. So there are some skills that, you know, are pervasive throughout the sand pile uh, that we just – you know, we got to keep in mind, you know. If you don't measure very well,
1: you're going to be cutting a lot of tile. because <laughs> oh, you're my. going to have a lot of a lot of weird shaped tiles that have to fit in the gaps for you.
0: Yep, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, right? I mean, and eventually that's that's how you have to hone that. I would say those are, you know, for me that's like commodity skill, uh, and that's why I brought up TCP/IP before because number one it sounds nerdy, but it's really not that nerdy. Um, you know, it just happens to power the internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, but anyway, um. You know, that is very much a commodity skill. And I think you want to be well honed on those commodity skills because they're used often. Uh, and as I kind of literate here, you know, the, the my thoughts, uh, I think that's that's kind of where, you know, I think you've got to kind of uh, maybe bend these things out, you know, commodity um, And and some of his skills are arcane. Right. So he went out and got that time manipulation skill. Nobody had it. Uh, and and notice that that's really important. Nobody had it. So that's what we're calling this. You know, we're, we're saying you got to have some of your skills be arcane, right? Uh, it sounds commodity versus
1: arcane, right? So in this scenario, commodity skills are your kind of off the shelf skills that everybody in a certain, you know, some of these skills we believe like everybody would benefit from having, Others of them, it's really everybody who's trying to attain to a certain thing should have them. You're talking about TCP, IP, which is basically, you know, networking, how how the protocol that carries, you know, carries the Internet over land cables and stuff like that. Right. But there's all you know, we could think of another one that maybe is a little bit more. Hopefully people understand that one. Another programming one is like command line. Right or as one of our buddies calls it, the big, scary black box that you type things into. <laughs> for those of you who are computer scientists, um, shout oh, man, out to that's Daniel awesome. for that one. Yeah, he, he, That's the best thing I'd ever heard it called because I it was very scary to me before I started using the command line, right? It's like everybody's used computers or on like a Windows machine on startup, you might see the black box pop up for a split second and, uh, you're like, what the heck does that thing do? Or you might have seen like somebody in your IT department like open it up and start typing things into it, and you're like, I feel like I would break everything if I just touched that, right? But that's one of those foundational skills for, for software development is you just got to understand the command line. That's not an arcane skill. Whereas an arcane skill might be to be able to do a specific type of modeling, right? That would be an arcane skill where you're going to be able to provide something that's unique, that's a value proposition that allows you to have a competitive advantage and hopefully allows your team and your department and your company to have a competitive advantage.
0: Yeah. I mean, and if, if you want to think at real terms, I can think of one, I, that, at least for me, I don't know, but very intricate masonry. Right. So masonry is one of those ones where, yeah, go try to find a masonry class. <laughs> it's hard. Actually, it's near impossible um, because, you know, you you have to be a part of kind of like a, you know, a, a masonry, like a, a, almost like a union or something to learn it. So. Um, but anyway, like that's an example right there is that, you know, there are the skills out there that there's not a lot of people that know them. Um, you know, don't make it your whole portfolio. Um, I I still think there's some kind of a middle ground between commodity and arcane, but I can't really think of the word right now. So I'm not really going to worry too much about it. Just know that they're I would say that they're blended um, where you've got where the arcane becomes commodity. Uh, and that isn't that the growth area? As leaders, I think that
1: we part of the reason we want to have arcane skills in our in our repertoire is so that we can help make those commodity skills, right? Because the arcane skills of 2000 are commodity skills in 2020. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think sometimes, well, I don't say many times, leaders are tasked with identifying and sifting through sets of arcane skills and deciding which one is you know which one belongs and which one does not right um because there could be things that are vying for that you know hey i want to i want to be your next commodity skill and you're like "Eh, that doesn't really translate with the commodity skills i have right now how can i i can't see the jump right and it's too much energy to get people to jump from the commodity skill to this new and uh, newfangled arcane skill that's coming in. So um, anyway, just some food for thought there. Um, got anything else before we wrap up this first half there, Drew? Nope. Awesome. I'm good. Okay. Well, if you had anything on this one, uh, you can hit us up on the wonder tour at the wonder tour on Twitter. And next week we are going to be doing part two uh, of Dr. Strange. And we're going to be jumping into um really just the more of the morals right drew yeah we'll talk about the ending in the movie so i'm very excited about that the
1: ending of this movie absolutely loved it the first time i saw it and each ensuing time i've also really enjoyed it
0: yes and uh so um all right well we will see you next time and remember all those who wonder are not lost